His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And it's time for another... Remake Remake Redux. Redux. Yay! (laughs) I was just going to do a dramatic pause, and then you started saying things, and I'm like, all right, I guess we're doing this. Do you want to retake? Nah. Okay. (laughs) Fuck it, we'll do it live. So, this week is a fun Remake Redux. Yeah. In that this is the first time... We've ever had one we're doing where one of us hasn't seen one of the films. And it's not the same film. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing The Stepfather. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen the 1987 original. And that's the one I grew up with. Yeah. And David had never seen the remake that has Penn Bagley in it. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. Before we actually get into the movies, though, there is something I kind of didn't realize... <laughs> Until David pointed it out, and then I looked into it a little bit, and I was like, oh, that's okay, that's correct, I guess. The whole plotline of The Stepfather is loosely based on family annihilator John List. Yeah. So, for those of you who are unfamiliar, David, you know a little bit more about John List than I do. Yeah, a bit. I'm not going to go full into it, because... There is a casual criminalist on Mm -hmm. it, available... Um, I'm sure multiple podcasts have covered it. Yeah, I, I really like how Simon took care of the whole whole bit. The casual criminalist concept as a whole is just fantastic. Check him out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this guy, boring, bland, accountant. Milk toast. Milk toast. I don't know. Is that a word that people use or even recognize? I use it, but I'm also an English nerd. Mm. Although I don't think that's even an English word. No, probably not. It's North American. Oh, yeah. So it is It is. A, it is an English word. It means a timid or feeble person. Well, this guy was far from timid or feeble, given what he did. So a few fun facts from it, because I'm not going to just do a 55-minute from-memory rendition of what the casual criminalist put out. But Yeah. Uh, he was an accountant in the... I want to say it was... Was it World War II? No, couldn't have been World War II. Korean War, probably. Uh, I don't remember. He was an accountant for the military, and he then got himself a rather lucrative job working at a bank and wound up getting quite a bit of money. He married a widow whose husband died in the war. They had three children. At some point, he also... I can't remember if it was his first family wife or his second family wife that kind of roped him in saying she was pregnant, but it turns out she wasn't pregnant, but she did have syphilis. So... Yeah, that was kind of a thing. And he was like, all right, well, we'll stick it out. And they, they wound up having kids. I think it was the first wife. I don't remember. Uh, fun fact about syphilis in the olden days. The standard treatment for syphilis was to give the patient malaria. Really? Yeah. Huh, uh weird. Well, because malaria, uh, your temperature would rise so high that the theory was it would kill the syphilis. So fight a disease with a disease sort of thing. Anyway. Oh, okay. Weird. Anyway, dude uh, left messages with the school and uh, basically executed his uh, his wife, his mother, and the kids. All th- their three children, yeah. Yeah. Well, because he, like, he had gotten, he was living like well outside of their means. Right. The house that they had was basically a mansion. Mm-hmm. 
and had gotten them super far into debt, but he was the only one who knew it. And then he lost his job. And he was of the mindset that it is the father's responsibility to take care of the family, not just in a comfort sense, but also a financial sense. Yeah. And if he was failing to do that, he was bringing them into sin. Yeah. He even left notes at the crime scene, like sealed up along with the murder weapon and everything, yeah. saying it's fortunate that, that I you know, took their lives and ensured they went to heaven. Otherwise, who knows what would have... Um, what would know. have happened to yeah. them, yeah. But no, he got away and was actually on the run. Not even on the run, he just disappeared. Nobody knew what happened to him. Yeah, he, uh, he drove his vehicle to JFK International and uh, then took the bus to a, uh, a bus or a train station and moved to, I want to say Denver? Yeah. Taking up the name Bob Clark, who happened to be just a random acquaintance from college. Yeah. But no, they ended up finally catching him because of America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Ran a story about him. And I think it was like one of his neighbors Mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, it's Bob. And I think he was arrested within like 24 hours of the broadcast. Some shit like that. Yeah, It's wild. The, The amount of criminals that were caught because of either America's Most Wanted or Unsolved Mysteries it's back insane. in the day is ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, that is the the, the basic premise of the, the stepfather films is a man who is searching for the perfect family. Mm-hmm. And he's doing this by finding families where the dad has either died or the parents are divorced mm-hmm. and kind of inserting himself into the family as the new father and trying to make a perfect family from that. But when things don't work out, he... Treats it like a net sketch and leaves. He's like, okay, I guess this was, I guess this didn't work. This experiment didn't work. Let's burn it all to the ground. <laughs> yeah, and start over. Yeah. You know, first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and kill the family. And I have thoughts about that, but we'll, we'll get into it. I have lots of thoughts, too. So the 1987 version was directed by Joseph Rubin. Screenplay by Donald E. Westlake. The cast, we have Terry O'Quinn... As he mostly in this movie goes by Jerry Blake, but he's got several aliases. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was John Locke on Lost. Yeah. It's probably our main demographic as far as listener age goes. That's probably what they're going to know. Jill Sholin is Stephanie Main. She was Mary Piper in Babes in Toyland. Yep. The one with Keanu Reeves from the 80s, I think. Yeah. Shelley Hack is Susan Main. She was Tiffany Wells on Charlie's Angels. Yes, she was. Charles Lanier is Dr. Bondurant. Mm. He... Mostly did some other, like, bit TV work. Yeah. Stephen Shellen is Jim Ogilvie. He was Neil Burns in A River Runs Through It, but he's also the voice of David Seraph in Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah, that's wild. Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And then Robin Stephen is Karen. She was uh, Sarah in Pushington. Hmm, okay. Is that the one The with- friend. Pushington? Pushington, is that... It's not the one with Kevin Costner. Okay, so it's the airplane, the air traffic controllers. Yes. Okay, so Billy Bob Thornton and John Cusack? Maybe. I want to say. I don't know. Yeah, I believe so. When it comes... Not Tin Cup. No, not Tin Cup. Yeah. Pushington. Some of the... When it comes to some of the older films that we cover occasionally, there's... I, I just have to go to IMDb... And look at the most known four up at the top. Which is wild when you look at it. Because I don't have any fucking clue. <laughs> well, it's it's wild when you look at it sometimes and you go, okay, and what's that? And then you wind up like researching like three different series before you're like, oh, okay, I think I heard my mom talk about like, that once. Like, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> 
I don't know who this is. Then again, I'm the weirdo that, while kids are watching Sesame Street, I was watching Mr. Ed. That's true. So my thoughts on this on this particular film. I question the logic of his MO. Mm. Because if your goal is to... If your goal is the perfect family, air quotes, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that by inserting yourself into an existing family dynamic. Unless you plan on adapting it. If you plan on controlling it, it's not going to work. But that, but that's not going to happen when one of the when the only child in the family is a 16 year old. That's that's a couple years from being an adult. They're already fully formed at that point, yeah. or as or pretty pretty well formed as far as like who. They have ideas and thoughts and their their own opinions and things. Not to say that smaller children don't, but like... Smaller children generally are more malleable, but that's not always the case. Yeah. So, but my thing is, wouldn't he be better off finding a woman with no family and just manipulating her into being the kind of woman that he wants and then just having babies with her? Mm. Like, if you want to do the whole traditional values, like conservative, perfect family bullshit... You're better off just starting from scratch. What if there's something unsaid about both these movies? What if it's that he's incapable of having children? And That's entirely pop- like an infertility kind of deal. And and he's not willing to either seek treatment or adopt and instead just inserts himself into... I mean, it's it's not in any of the subtext or plot of either of these movies, but that's just something that popped in my head. And that's entirely possible. I, I still think the way he goes about it is highly flawed. Well, I mean, it's a horror movie, so yeah. Well... That's fair. <laughs> Flawed decisions are bread and butter. Yeah. The other thing about the original is um, once he realizes that it's not going to work out, he kind of takes his time with everything. Mm-hmm. Does that make You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't get why he quits his job because there doesn't really seem to be a reason to quit the job. Well, it's so that he can begin moving personas. Right, but here's the thing. So this guy, Jerry, is a real estate agent. So he's not in the office most of the time because he's out showing houses. Right. So he could keep the job and say, oh, I'm out showing this house or I'm out showing this house. And then if nothing comes of that, like he could lie and still be setting up his new life somewhere else. And then when his colleagues at the realty or real estate place, I don't know. Realtor? Realtors. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Um, or estate agents if you're in the UK. Right. They could be like, oh, what happened with this house? And then he's like, oh, they didn't show up or, oh, they weren't interested. Like, he could have maintained the ruse in a way that still let him have some sort of cover. Because part of what gets him caught, at least as far as, as Susan goes, is she, I don't remember why she calls the office. She calls the office to talk to him about something. Yeah. And... The secretary's like, oh, he doesn't work there anymore. So if he had at least kept the job and kind of maintained it, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I get that. I also do feel like Susan, um, if you're going to confront someone about their bullshit, maybe make sure there's somebody else there. (laughs) That's the problem that both of these movies have to an extent is if you're going to confront someone on their on their lies and you're suspicious about them, don't do it when it's just the two of you. (laughs) So what are some of your thoughts on this movie? Oh, I have thoughts. Of, of, I figured you did. <laughs> That's how this works. Okay, so in the opening, he's doing a transformation. Uh, you know, shave, shave his beard, fix up, trim up his hair. And it all seems plausible. I cut my own hair. I can trim my beard. That's fine. Yeah. 
But I straight up call bullshit on the tidy ass lines dude did with scissors on the back of his head. Ain't no way in hell he did that without a trimmer, and there no. was no trimmer in the scene. No. So, mm-mm. No. Well, and there was some stuff where he was clearly wearing a wig. So there, it could be entirely possible that he was getting the, the hair underneath the wig trimmed regularly. Is mm. it po- it's possible. Well, why, why would he cut his... No, he was cutting his hair. Right. So he wouldn't be cutting the wig hair and then... Oh, have... that's right. I don't fucking know. Yeah. What, what movie are you weird. talking about? And... <laughs> I know there were wigs at some point. That was later. Yeah, that was later. He had some some wigs in a bag or something, but yeah, yeah. Really okay, I'm confused. Um, also, this was the movie that made me not trust people who whistle to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, again, in, near the opening, he's whistling Camptown Races, and I I just ever since then, yeah, I don't care, friend, relative, you whistle into yourself, that creeps me out. They actually originally wanted him to whistle the theme from the way we were. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't get the rights. To whistle it? Yeah. Wow. Remind me not to, uh, you know, hum the love boat or something. I know, right? Also, okay, let me tell you about being a kid who experienced adults trying to buy my love or trust or affection. Because between my dad's girlfriends and my mom's boyfriends, I've seen the whole gamut. Yeah, because you and I have, I don't, I don't know if we've ever really brought this up on the show before, had extremely different family dynamics growing up because my parents are still married. They will have been married 38 years this March. Right. So the whole parents having boyfriends and girlfriends and and stepfathers and stuff, that's not anything that I've ever really had to deal with. Yeah, no, it, it's a bunch of bullshit. It, it's a whole racket. I, I mean, if I could make a cash industry from it, I would, but I can't, so I won't. It's fair. I mean, I was given a talking Bart Simpson doll. That sounds so. cool. Yeah, except he said like five things. Don't have a cow, man. Uh, eat my shorts, probably. Eat my shorts. I didn't do it. Nobody saw me do it. You can't prove anything. Um, did I say cowabunga already? No. Like cowabunga. No, that that was more than turtles. But again, it was... Do the Bart man? Maybe? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I, mean, I don't Simps- know. Who cares? I don't know. Now I'm thinking Simpsons Sing the Blues, and that was a matter. great album. <laughs> anyway... But let's see. There was that. There, there were uh, trips and camping trips. And hey, let's let's have some fun times together. And oh, don't worry, it's just a big adventure. Oh, we're just sleeping in a pickup truck. Oh, this is like camping. Shut up, Pat. Or Robert, where I, you know, I was supposed to go pick something up and catch him smoking a joint. And I mean, I was a kid, and it was supposed to be a, a naughty thing. So he gives me a, a fucking Arizona Cardinals sweatshirt and said, we'll make this our little secret. I'm sorry. You don't <laughs> k- tell a kid growing up in the 80s, this will be our little secret, and it not immediately ping very special episode in your head. That's true. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean. That's some bicycle shop shit right there. Right. Right. Except, really, if he wanted to build a bonding relationship, he would have just passed it over. I mean, to a nine-year-old, okay, I can see where that might cross a line, but... A little bit, yeah. You know, you're throwing your D at my mom. You know, come on. Did you even like the Arizona Cardinals? No, fuck them. (laughs) Um, 90s era. Yeah. For those of you in Arizona, understand. Anyway, it was was all close. It was all awful. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, come on, champ. Okay, don't fucking call me champ. I'm not your champ. I'm not your toughie. I'm not your little buck. I'm not... No, you, you can call me David. Yeah. Or just don't fucking call me. And it got to the point where I was actually having to answer the phone and tell 
certain people that my mom didn't want to see that she wasn't home. And for a nine-year-old, ten-year-old, that ain't cool. Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm not her therapist. I'm not her receptionist. I'm her child. So it being that shit sucked okay once and only once did one of my parents have a partner who one who was kind and shared real things knowledge skills experience things like that didn't come off as creepy or fake or maybe this is the day i die or maybe this is the day that we get abducted you know no one one out of like 10 to 12 between the two so this jerry blake experience was very very hits very home to you no, I saw this before they got divorced. See, that's the great thing. Ah. This was preparatory. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> Sorry. It, doing the doing this remake redux actually like got me like dredging up all of my childhood angst with retrospect and yeah. so it was emotional damage. <laughs> <laughs> um I do appreciate that when Stephanie got expelled Neither parent flipped out. And yeah. Like, e- like, even the mom. Like, Jerry, okay, he's a psycho. Who, who gives a fuck what he has to say? He's going to say something weird and creepy, and it's going to make your skin crawl, because dude made my skin crawl. He's I'm, creepy. He's a creepy guy. You know, that's a good girl, and rubs her arm, and that's, she just pulls oh away, God, and it was like, uh, half the time he talked to her like she was a puppy. Yeah. And, and no, it's, mm, anyway... But, like, even her mom, she was like, look, what's done is done. Yeah. We can't fix that. Let's look at what we can do for the future. Right. And so, you know, Stephanie's like, oh, I want to go to boarding school and all that jazz. Which, just fucking let her go. Just let her go to boarding school. This whole trying to be the nuclear family thing is not working. Maybe everybody just needs a little bit of space. Yeah. For a while. So just let her fucking go to boarding school. Yeah. But no, Jerry's on this. No, we have to keep the family together. I don't want to break up the family. You know, she's not being shipped off to another country forever. She's just going to a boarding school. It's probably in Connecticut or something. And what does, does, do families have to live together to be a family? Am I no longer part of my parents' family because we don't live together? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. Let's see. I've got a few more notes on this. So... Ogilvy, and I need to talk about him for a second. Yeah. So Ogilvy, for some background for people who haven't seen the film, he is the brother of Jerry's previous wife. Because the, the basically the family that he kills in the opening is Jim Ogilvy's sister and her kids. Right. And he's obsessed with trying to find. I think he was named. He was named Henry Morrison mm. before. So he's been trying to find Henry for like six months. Right. Anyway, continue. So, uh, okay, I need a minute. The The brief shooting range scene. Yeah, that's a little weird. I'm so, as, a, as a police officer, do not tell someone, if I was you, I'd just get a gun and blow him away. So of I don't course think he, that's something you're supposed to do. So, so, of course, Ogilvy goes and gets a gun and he goes to the shooting range. And I, I'm going to sound very pedantic <laughs> here, and I, I, I accept that. Go for it. But, okay, so his shooting stance, it's basically a modified weaver stance where he's kind of squatting a little bit, but not like a crouch, but more like he's trying to shit over the edge of a house roof. Like, like Oh, no, I'm he, picked, I, I got it in my head Like now. Like, his knees are bent, but his, his butt's sticking out, but, but it's... It, it it looked very unnatural. It It's like, go lower, bend your knees more, 
or bend your knees less because what you're doing right now just kind of makes it look like you're I don't, I don't know it's weird it's if you, definitely if you've weird. ever seen someone shit off the edge of a cliff which it's a special experience that's the position he was in just with his hands for holding a gun also i want to say the the psych the psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever dr bondurant yeah he was he was good he was real good he was making good headway until he fucked up and then he fucked up yeah again if you're going to confront someone because you think they're full of shit don't do it when it's just the two of you alone in a house. And if you're putting on a ruse, keep your story straight. Yeah. Uh, okay, and I also need another minute. I mean, you don't need to ask for a minute. This is a show. No, I actually <laughs> wrote it in my notes. Okay, I need another minute. Oh, okay. To remind myself, it's a it's a pace change. Oh. So towards the end, at one point, the mom gets a hold of the gun that Ogilvy was carrying. Yeah. And apparently Ogilvy didn't, like, refill his gun after the shooting range because there was three fucking bullets in it. Yeah. And so she hit, she connects with two out of the three and then it just starts clicking because it's a revolver, right? Yeah. And so you understand with a revolver, you've got a cylinder with typically six bullets in it. Some have, you know, seven or eight, but generally something like that, you're going to have six bullets. Yeah. Right? So when she was no longer firing bullets, she started tapping it, tapping the butt of the, I didn't notice of the that. pistol. On her hand, like like she was trying to press in a magazine or something, which a revolver doesn't Revolvers have, lady. Revolvers don't have magazines. I mean, I understand it's the heat of the moment and adrenaline and all that jazz, but someone in the production should have been like, lady, do you, do you know how this gun works? It's not a ketchup bottle. You're not going to get more out of it by shaking it. <laughs> Shit, are you okay? Oh. <laughs> I broke it. Y'all, I broke him. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Well, what if there's more bullets in here? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I got a little more oops, and I got a bullet on the wall. Uh, I'll wipe on. that off. Uh, do the arm trick that my mom used to do where you act like you're going to pitch a baseball. Oh, I do that, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't, don't do a full wind-up, but I mean, I, yeah. I do a quick whip on it. Yeah. I whip the sauce. I whip the sauce back and forth. I like that. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. Uh, and you know, after we talk about the second movie, we'll probably yeah, talk we'll some get comparisons more, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, okay. My last thought on the '87 version. Yeah. In like the last ten minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. there is a naked shower scene with Stephanie, mm-hmm. and while the actress is 23. The character is 16. Yeah. And it serves no purpose. So I'm just like watching this and I'm like, why the fuck does she have to be? Why do we need this? Well, I feel like, and and just looking from like a storyboarding perspective, how do we get Stephanie as vulnerable as possible before the, the big climax? Pardon the expression climax. No, I get it. But, so the most vulnerable you can be is naked. Here's the thing. He doesn't attack her until she's out of the shower and redressed in like shorts and a t-shirt and her hair and she's like drying her hair. Fair. I could understand if he had attacked her in the shower. Yeah. Like that, that would make sense because not only are you naked, you're also wet and slippery. Which actually would not be advantageous to fight someone who is naked, wet and slippery. Right. But like it would have also her feet would have had trouble finding purchase mm. on the tile flooring of the t- and of the bathroom and the tub and everything. Right, right, right. So but no, wait, it, she's completely redressed by the time he gets to her. 
So, I mean, was there was there a single nipple quota back then? I don't think so. I, I don't mean, know. Because I mean, okay, you know, everybody has their own opinion on nudity and whatever. I would call this extremely conservatively tasteful nudity. But again, she's portraying she's a sixteen-year-old. She's meant to be sixteen, so, so it's still it's still dicey territory. Yeah, I, I mean. It's one of those things that you kind of write it off because you're like, well, it was the 80s. But at the same time, you also maybe it's just because I'm me. I question it. Well, I mean, there was also a lot of very special episodes in the 80s. So it's like, you know, the 80s wasn't just a different time. It was just a less talked about time. That's true. All right. So let's talk about the remake. Mm-hmm. 2009. Yeah. So just over 20 years later. Yeah. And now I will say the original The Stepfather does have like two sequels. Yeah. One yeah. of them does have Terry O'Quinn in it. Yeah. Uh, Stepfather 2, um, he breaks out of the mental asylum. Because he's not killed at the end. He's just heavily incapacitated. Yeah. And he breaks out of a mental asylum and becomes a marriage counselor. Or poses as a marriage counselor. And yeah, it's it's weird. The, th- I lo- the thing I love is that he breaks out of that mental asylum twice. Because that's also what happens at the beginning of the third one when I looked into it. So he breaks out of that same mental asylum again. And then finds someone to perform plastic surgery on him, which is why they explain that he's suddenly played by a completely different actor. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. I want to watch them now. I don't know. I'll listen to them. They might be on, they might be on Tubi. Uh, they're, I, I'm pretty sure they're on Prime. Oh, well, I don't know. Free. I don't know. Who cares? Anyway. So the 2009 version. Mm Mm-hmm. Directed by Nelson McCormick. A screenplay by J.S. Cardone. Okay. Dylan Walsh yes, is the stepfather in this one. David Harris, played by... Uh, I'm, I already said who he's played by. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dylan Walsh, probably mostly well known as Dr. Sean McNamara on Nip Tuck. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, it was a, that was a show. Like, some episodes you're like, wow, this is boring. <laughs> and other episodes you're like, did that just fucking happen? Yeah, and this is the one David had never seen, and I've seen it a couple times because, of course, I have. I purposely didn't even look at the cast. And the, and the thing was, I I didn't want to color your opinion in any way, shape, or form, so I didn't want to tell you that I love the remake, because mm. I do, because, of course, I do. <laughs> so I'm just getting these text messages, because he's at home watching it, and I'm at work, so I'm just getting text messages like, Dylan Walsh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, it's Joe from you. <laughs> like, yes. Yes, I know. So Cell Award <laughs> is uh, Susan Harding. Not you, you, Joe. You, the show you. Yeah, I know, dear. I know. <laughs> I've, already done, I've already typed up my cast list notes. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so Cell Award is Susan Harding. She was Lucy Hale in The Day After Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Penn Badgley is Michael Harding. He was Dan Humphrey on Gossip Girl. He was, as we have said, Joe on You. I don't know. He's been in several things. Brayden LeMasters is Sean Harding. He was Trevor in Tagged. He's also in a band called Wallows with Dylan Minnette. Dylan Minnette, he was the he played the main guy Clay on Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh, okay. He's been in some other horror related yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh Skylar Samuels is Beth Harding. She was Grace on Scream Queens. Okay. Amber Heard is Kelly Porter. We're not gonna talk about Amber Heard. Paige Turco is Jackie. She was uh, Dr. Abigail Griffin on The 100. Mm-hmm. Sherry Stringfield is Leah. She was Pauline in Under the Dome. And then John Tenney was Jay Harding. He was Sheriff Bean in Tombstone. Is that the dad? Yeah. The, the 
bio dad? The bio dad, yeah. Okay, I gotta say something about him real quick. Yes, go for it. Okay, so when I first saw him, I thought it was fucking Papa John. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it, and then they go and watch it, and they go, yeah, he does kind of look like Papa John. See, once it's I, not him. See, once I read that he was played by the same guy who played Sheriff Bean in Tombstone, and I love Tombstone, I was trying to see, like, make it make sense, you know? But it's it, it had been, you know, 15 years, and the character look is completely different. What? From when this movie came out? Oh, from Tombstone to, to, to this. this. movie, okay. yes. Yeah, I was like, Tombstone was before this movie. Yeah, I know. Okay. That's when I'm... Time works both ways. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get into my thoughts about this movie in particular, and then we'll do our comparison. Did Converse fund this movie? Because there's a lot of Converse product placement. There is a lot of Converse. Kelly alone has like three fucking pairs. Well, yeah. Speaking of Kelly, she gets on my nerves a little bit. Hmm. Because what they do for this for this remake is they change the they change the gender of the main kid that is suspicious of the stepdad. Right. So in this one, it's it's Michael. And because of some issues that he's had, he's been at military school for the past year. And he's got younger siblings, too. Yeah, he's got two younger siblings. So the younger siblings, they were, you know, with mom at the grocery store when she met David. Fabricated meat cute. Yeah, fabricated meat cute. And they've, you know, been living with him and gotten to know him. So Michael is is the newcomer to this whole situation. And there's just like an instant, just kind of a little bit, I don't really trust this guy kind of thing. Well, because well, they had just announced that they're getting married. They'd only been together six months. Yeah. He just got back from military school. There's a lot of adjustment. You know, it's like. Eh. Right. And part of what seems weird to him is that David is very much. Um, what's the word? Like family is everything. We need to be together. And now that Michael's home, we're going to make sure he stays home because family stays together. And yeah, I've got a note here. This whole real family thing, a complete family. It's like, dude, what is your damage? Yeah. We're, Can we talk about that? We have to be a proper family. And again, I feel like that whole proper family thing is a bit annoying and mildly offensive to someone who is not from the conservative ideal nuclear family. I've got a whole bit on that. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. Okay, we'll get to it. But as far as Kelly goes, like the reasons that she wants Michael to stay are just seem a little selfish. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It seems to be less about him and more about, well, we have to have our senior year together and we have to do this and we have to go to college together and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I get that you want that, but... What does he want? Yeah. And as far as this whole, we're going to be together forever thing, statistically, that's not accurate. Yeah. Like, you, you're you both, what, like, 17? Like, the odds that you're still going to be together in two years, let alone for the rest of your lives, very slim. Fair. It, I mean, do, I, it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. does happen, but statistically, very rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just weird. She, she feels like she makes a lot of things about her, which I'm like, Kelly, he was the one who was in military school. His parents have only been separated for a year, and for six months of that year, his mom has been dating this other guy. Yeah. So, like, cut him some fucking slack. Yeah. Uh, one of my other things is, if you suspect your mom's fiancé might be a murderer, and you have a decent amount of evidence to this, maybe just call the cops. Yeah, probably a good start. <laughs> Instead of just trying to Scooby-Doo it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you do that, you'll wind up Scooby-Done. 
Yeah. Because here's the thing. You live in the house, so they don't have to have a warrant to search it if you give them permission. Right. So they would have found the body in the freezer eventually. Yeah. One of my other things is that typically, because we we know that this guy's done this at least a few times, Mm -hmm. and typically he kills the whole family. Right. But in this movie, the two youngest kids at the at the finale, they've gone to camp. Yeah. So they're not even So they're the not even there. So what's his plan? <laughs> like I guess hang out until they get back from camp, you know, pick them up and drive them off a cliff. I, I don't I, know. Well and and the thing is, when Susan confronted him and they were starting to have their he was starting to splinter, mm-hmm. Michael also was not home. So what if Michael hadn't come home for a while? Like, was he just going to sit in the house and wait? <laughs> like, would he have just killed Susan and let the kids live? Like, what? Like, what's your plan, man? Listening to Pearl Jam's Better Man on repeat, but taking it personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, he's crossing state lines and killing multiple people. So shouldn't he be on, like, an FBI Most Wanted list? In theory. You would think. But, I mean, he's he pretty much stays off the grid and... I mean, he, he, no, yeah, no we'll get into that. I, yeah, all that. Yeah, I have thoughts about that too. Okay. Anyway, what are your thoughts on the remake? Because um, again, this is a first watch for you and I was so excited. Well, the music was a choice. Okay, the only, the music that's really bad is the end credit music. It's yeah. awful. Um, so sometimes the music fit and it was totally right. And yeah. other times I'm just like, was this like, now that's what I call music 35? I mean, it's I, like, it's mid aughts butt rock is what it is. Yeah. Also, if your nosy neighbor is talking about how she thinks that your fiance is some killer from America's Most Wanted. That's what I love is they actually bring in the whole John List America's Most Wanted thing to this remake. And and, and you laugh it off, you know, and talk about it with your fiance. And then, like, within the week, your nosy neighbor is dead. Yeah. Well, because it was two weeks before they found her body. Well, yeah. So she may have forgotten about it by then. You know who didn't forget about it? Michael. Because that kid is smart. Well, and that's the thing is I love... Well, we'll wait, I'll wait till we do the comparisons. Anyway, okay. continue. Uh, uh, although, side note, Mrs. Cutter, that's me when I'm an old lady. Just watching Forensic Files and America's Most Wanted if it ever comes back. Thinking, trying to solve murders. <laughs> I feel like that's most women my age currently. True crime. Well, I actually, we, we had a conversation about this with a theory on why women love true crime. It's yeah. It's because the world is out to get you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's self-preservation. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're interested in it. It's survival tactics to us. See, and I get bored listening about the guy killers. I, I'm in, interested about, you know, the, what is it, one in 25... Women who kill? Yeah. No, and a uh, quick side note, Seth actually turned me on to a new podcast that I'm going to have to start listening to. Oh. It's called Fruit Loops. Ooh. It is specifically about serial killers of color, huh. which you 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 don't really hear about very much. Yeah, because it's usually white male, late 20s to mid 40s. Mid 40s, yeah. yeah. But no, there it's it's. I haven't listened to any episodes yet. I don't, so I don't know. But it's it's hosted by, uh, from what Seth said, a woman of color, okay. and it's all about serial killers who are also people of color. Cool. Which is neat because everyone knows about, you know, Gacy and, and Dahmer and Ted Bundy. But most people don't know about guys like Anthony Sowell. So. Right. Anyway, continue. My other main note, because it would have taken too long for me to write this because I was already writing my, my kind of final closer. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, 
I knew where the movie was going, but it was it, it was fun. It was definitely a lot more facets. I, I look at it this way, and this is kind of jumping into the comparisons, but this, okay. is, this is what I mean. My note actually says, wow, this film has many more facets and arcs to it. And what I mean by that is the 1987 film is like watching a good stage play of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is more budget, broader cast, more people involved. Mm-hmm. You know, more named characters that you even like start having opinions and feelings on. Because um, the thing is, in the original, you do have people that are, you have Jim Ogilvy who's trying to find the guy who the guy who killed his family. You got the reporter and the cop. Yeah, but even they aren't. They're bit parts. They're that can bits, be played by the same character, right? I mean. But the only person who's really who's even somewhat suspicious at all of Jerry, besides Stephanie, is her psychiatrist. Right, because he, you know, he's like, yeah, I believe you. We'll check it out. Yeah. yeah. But because this film, we, we've got more people, and because of certain plot points that happen... Oh, and cell phones. Yeah. And internet. Yeah. <laughs> Michael is suspicious. And um, their their dad, Jay, starts to get suspicious. And then Jackie, the uh, who is Susan's sister, she starts to get suspicious. And, you know, the crazy neighbor lady, turns out, was right. <laughs> like, there's more people that are that start to question what's going on with this david guy right also the artist rendering of who old lady across the street thought was david uh-huh that was a shit drawing yeah it was not a very good composite it, sketch like honestly i that that could have been anybody you know scraggly dude with a beard yeah one of the things i mentioned when we were talking about the original is that um it didn't make any sense for jerry to quit his job mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i like about the remake is that it does make sense for him to quit his job here. Right, right. Because they were wanting him to fill out uh, forms and stuff. Forms and stuff with information that he doesn't have because he's living all these fake identities. Right. Social Um, security and all that stuff. Yeah. Taxes, yeah. So him quitting, they made a reason, a plausible reason for him to quit his job. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, because the day he quit is the day Jackie was like, hey, we need all this personal information that was what clicked in her brain. Don't you think it's weird that I asked for this information and suddenly he doesn't want to sell real estate anymore, yeah. even though he was really good at it? Yeah. So. Yeah, you bring up a good point. But sometimes I wonder if in remakes they, and this isn't necessarily a judgment on this film, but just in, in remakes in general, where they try to fix a confusing point or a plot hole. Yeah. And they make it so simple that you just kind of sit there and go, right, but that's still just you know a theory that's that's really it's it doesn't even have a leg to stand on it's just yeah you know that's like saying well don't you think it's weird that the that the left elevator open instead of the right it's like well because it's 50 50 well because in the remake he'd only been doing this whole real estate thing for a couple of weeks right and they were paying him under the table but then they were like we need a photo id and a social security number we need stuff for insurance and then he was like, oh, I quit. And when in, when Susan's like, but I thought you really enjoyed that. He's like, no. He's like, it just really didn't fit with me. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. And she ends up being just being like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, you're not, if you're, if you love someone, you're not going to force them to do a job they hate. Right. And there are things that people are good at that they're like, yeah, I'm good at it. It's so I don't crushing. enjoy doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He could have taken a moral stand and said, you know, I don't really feel right, you know, helping people get into these homes that I know they can't afford. Yeah. Because you know. this was 2009. Mm. 
Yeah, pre-bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other thoughts about the remake before we start, well, get definitely into the comparisons instead of me just tiptoeing into it a little? A few weird notes. Yeah, go for it. First of all, who plays video games with that high of a volume? Oh my god, I know, right? Like, that would... Like, rattling the windows. And it's like, I understand if you want to blast it, you know, with, like, headsets on or something, but, like, you can't even communicate. I mean, if you're going to have it cranked up, you know, with, with, like, a headset with a mic on it, sure, but... I don't know why she was trying to yell at him, like, like there's no way... Like, ma'am, you know your children, you know your house. Listen to how loud that music is. There's no way your kid can hear you. Exactly. Stop what you're doing and go upstairs. And I don't know if this is... I don't even know where this is coming from. This is just kind of a left field thought. Uh-huh. Uh, his name's Penn Bagley, right? Penn Badgley. Penn Badgley. By a pen and a Badgley. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll remember it now. Uh, my brain's weird. Well, that's a mnemonic device. Lots of people do it. I'm just going to call him Yujo. <laughs> so, Yujo. Haven't you watched more Gossip Girl than you? No. Oh, I've watched right. like three episodes of Gossip Girl. I got bored with it. Oh, fair. Like, okay, one of you is going to die, one of you is going to get pregnant, one of you is going to wind up with an STD, and one of you is going to die broken, sad. Fair. You know, it, it's life. Yeah. Anyway, but Yujo pulls all of these faces, like these suspicious faces. His expressions are so good. They're, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're brilliant expressions, but then I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I've watched... Like two seasons, I haven't I haven't started the third season yet, but I've watched two seasons of you, and I'm like, is this the movie that helped you fake innocence? Because you're pulling all these faces that people around you and you are pulling. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. It's it's just kind of fun to see it flip, where it's like, okay, he's not innocently sweetly nefarious, right? Is that a thing? I think it's a thing. Maybe. It's a thing in you. It yes, it is definitely. But yeah. No, that's 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 pretty much all I got. I mean, it's good. I enjoy it, but I feel like even though they're both technically the same plot line, mm-hmm. there's a lot more moving pieces and a lot more variety in the remake that I feel like you could market them as two completely separate films unrelated. Yeah. You know, one is like some super deluxe burger and the other is a plain hamburger. And sometimes a plain hamburger can be good. Well, and there is some crossover. Right. As far as like lines and set pieces. Lines, set pieces, even movements. Yeah. So let's, do you want to, we want to go ahead and get into the comparison? Please. Okay. So one of the lines that's about the same is there. Now here's what, okay. So here's why it's different. In both films, there is... One of the is, lines is the same, here's why it's different. Well, the setup is different, because in the original, it's Jerry and some adult male friends at, like, a barbecue oh, that they're right, having. with the newspaper. With the newspaper, where the reporter, Jim Ogilvy has gotten the, this reporter to republish the story about his family being murdered in an attempt to try and find the guy. Yeah, sort of a follow-up piece. Right. So they're at the barbecue. There's these guys that are talking about a murder that Jerry committed. Right. <laughs> like a series of murders that he did. So when they're like, I can't imagine why someone would do that. How could someone kill their kids? And he says, well, maybe they disappointed him. Nobody really makes anything of it. Nobody integral to the plot hears him say it. The only really real people who know he said anything that really give a shit are the audience. Right. So in the remake, 
David is sitting down to dinner with Susan and Michael and the kids. And somehow Susan, it gets on the topic where Beth, the, the daughter, is talking about a woman who killed her kids. Yeah. It's just a basic general discussion that they're having. Somebody, again, basically says the line of, I don't understand why someone would do that to their kids. And under his breath, David says, well, maybe they disappointed her. But the only person who hears him say it is Michael. Yeah, everyone else is oblivious to it. And that's one of the things I really like that the remake does. The delivery of that line is way more subtle. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Michael is the only person who hears it instead of a group of adult friends, it kind of feeds into his suspicion. But again, because he's the only person who heard it, it just, again, goes back to people thinking, oh, you just don't like him because you don't like him. Right. And you just want to find any excuse not to give him a chance. You're just coloring all of your opinions of him with, with your angst and your... Right, exactly. Your frustrations and things. Yeah. Precisely. I've heard it. I also like the other things that only Michael, you know, hears or knows when it comes to David. Mm -hmm. For example, Mrs. Cutter, the neighbor who told Susan about America's Most Wanted, David does go over and kill her. (laughs) Yeah. Pushes her down a flight of stairs and then, like, holds his hand over her nose and mouth to suffocate her. So then, like, two weeks later, her niece finds her and David's outside talking to the postal worker And all the postal worker tells David is that Mrs. Cutter's been found dead. Yeah. Her poor niece found her. Her poor niece found her. That's basically it. But when he comes in the house and and Michael, because he was upstairs, overheard this conversation through a window. Mm -hmm. So then when David comes in and Susan and Beth are like, oh, my God, there's all these cops. What's going on? He's like, oh, yeah, Mrs. Cutter fell down the stairs and broke her neck and died. Michael's like thinking, how do you know that? That's not the conversation you just had. So it just really adds to the attitude that everyone around him has of, oh, you're just paranoid and oh, you just don't like him. Once again, just because you're paranoid don't mean dude from Nip Tuck isn't trying to kill you. That's true. I do like the opening from the remake better also. It's a lot more, it's a lot more sinister in a way. It's it. It is. It's. Yeah, because it, it's it's the same it's the same opening where you see the you know the titular stepfather he's giving himself a makeover but in the original is it really a makeover? I'd call it a make if you're completely changing your look it's a makeover. Okay, see I, when I think makeover I think let's do a makeover. No, he's but, not doing that. He's just, no, he shaved his he shaved his beard and he cut his hair. No, I I for me definition of makeover is completely changing your look. It's not necessarily it doesn't need to come with a strip mall montage (laughs) okay see see, immediately i i'm thinking pink bags and no this is not clueless (laughs) or any other teen girl movie no but in the original when he's doing it he's got blood on his face and his clothes like it's clear something went wrong in the remake it just looks like a guy you know I has decided to shave his beard and he's coloring his hair and taking a shower. It just looks like maybe he's got a job interview. Maybe he's got a job interview. He just wants to clean up. It's not until he goes downstairs and we see bodies mm-hmm. that we realize, oh, no, something bad has happened. And he's not startled by them. So he no. knows they're there. Exactly. He pours himself a cu- cup of he coffee. Pu- and- he 
pours himself toast. calmly, goes into the kitchen, starts making himself peanut butter toast, pours himself some coffee, starts Christmas music playing because it's this is during Christmas that he did this murder. Most wonderful before time he le- he before he leaves. Sets the alarm system. That's that's actually another thing that goes back to uh, List. After he annihilated his family, he uh, on an intercom system. He yeah. pl- he played uh, hymns on a loop. So basically, people don't didn't know anything was wrong until the light bulbs started burning out in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's another creepy factor there. Yeah. One of the other lines that is the same is "Who am I here?" Hmm. I do think the delivery is a little better in the remake mm. just because it's a little bit more frantic. It's very, it's subtler in the original. Well, and I, the two characters are, are very different between Jerry and David because Jerry yeah. is very controlled. He's actually very list-like. Yeah. Whereas David is a little more, hey, I'm, I'm the cool dad, but I'm also the strict dad. Let's so go down like, to the basement and do tequila shots, but don't tell your mom. I'm gonna be your bro, dude. I'll get you in the swim team in the summer, but can't make any promises for the fall. It's like, pick a fucking theme, dude. Yeah, fair. You know, I mean, you're already weirding them out. Do do you really need to be like, okay, how much power do you have in this town that you're able to like get someone who's kicked out of school back in? Yeah, well, and and the reason I like it in the remake, the "Who am I here?" line is because it's it's preceded by. Um, he's drugged Susan because he's planning on killing her. Mm-hmm. And he finds Michael and Kelly in the basement. They have found Jay's body because, of course, David at one point had to kill the dad, Jay. Well, yeah. At this point, he's killed several people because he's and, also killed Aunt Jackie. <laughs> and the thing is, though, he could have let him live. He didn't have to kill him. The dad? Yeah. You could have just l- let him be. Mm-hmm. What's he going to find? That's fair. But they, he needed to get rid of him so that he could then, for plot purposes, it was necessary. Because then he has his phone, so then he knows what's going on. Because then Jackie texts Jay and says, hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Call and me. investigate David. Call me. That's what starts putting him onto Jackie. But then, you know, had he not killed him, then it I wouldn't have escalated to that. He had to kill him because he already knew that he was lying to them. Because he called, they went to the same, they supposedly went to the same college, but when he called the college to check up with the Alumni Association, they're like, no, this guy never went here. That's why you don't give specifics in a locality. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a pro at this. I'm just saying, you know, maybe if you're moving to a, a new state, don't say you're going to, went to the most prestigious school. Keep it vague. Yeah, yeah. Keep, it, keep it vague. But yeah, so the, the who am I here line is preceded by him realizing he's fucked basically, and has to do things a little quicker than he probably would like to. Yeah. So he's, like, tearing the kitchen apart, just getting out all the knives, and Susan... Hammers? He's got hammers Yeah, he's got all kinds of shit. In the kitchen. And Susan comes in because he only gave her half of a sleeping pill, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? And he just starts, like, yelling at her about how, like, I thought I could make this work, but the boy has no respect, and you didn't teach him discipline, and... I thought you could be Mrs. Grady Edwards. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then there's like this click and like a confused dog head tilt. And then he's like, who am I here? And she goes, David. And he's like, David, that's my name. <laughs> like, it's Thank just, you. The, the, the frantic way it's delivered in the remake. I just like it better yeah. than the subtlety of the original. 
Whereas there is subtlety in his self-talk earlier in the movie. Where, yeah. Where he's like, you know, i got to make this work, got to make this work. And... Boy knows no respect. Got to teach the boy respect. Dude in the original, man, he goes ham in the basement. Yeah. Like, like, I thought he was verbally abusing himself pretty hard. Yeah. I do also appreciate that David is way smarter than Jerry. A lot smarter. At least as far as not leaving any kind of real paper trail. Well, you have... Well, see, the thing is, though, with the internet and cell phones and all this modern technology... You can't just move three towns over and, and, and start a new life. Well, and here's the thing that's weird. And I asked my mom about this because in the original, Susan and Jerry are already married. Right. And I texted my mom and I was like, did you not need social security numbers to get a marriage license in the 80s? To get a marriage license and get the marriage certificate? And she's like, I'm pretty sure we did. Or at least you had to have a photo ID. So I'm like, he's got... I don't, I don't know how they got around that. Then it could vary state to state, too. That's true, because this was in Washington. Because uh, another thing I learned, thanks to Casual Criminalist, was that most states at the time that List got married required a syphilis, like a, a, a pre-marriage or STI check. Ah. Uh. Except in Maryland, which was one of the few states that did not require it. Yeah. I think that was the state, Maryland. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know. But there were a couple that didn't require it, and it's like, oh, we'll just... Get married here. But anyway, in, in the remake, David, he pays for everything with cash. Yeah. Does not want to be in photos, whereas Jerry seems to be fine with photo ops. Moves to a completely different state instead of just moving a couple towns over. <laughs> just generally think, seems to go about things in a more thoughtful way to a point. But also David is one of those ones that you don't hear coming and then you turn and, oh shit, there he oh, is. Oh god, there he is. And now he's smashing a vase on my head. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, I moved silently, too, and I scared oh Tia twice God. yesterday, so, you know. And, and that's just how, that's just, I mean, recliners are not always quiet when they go from reclined to, like, closed. Unreclined, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't tiptoe or anything, but was, apparently I'm just silent. Listen, I was, I was bent over, I was, I was <laughs> removing the trash bag. Yeah. From the can, so there was noise. I put my shoes on while you were doing I wasn't, this. I was not, I just, and I, I was tying up the trash bag, and trash bags make noise. And there was a video playing on the TV, so that was also interfering with my ability to hear what was going on around me, apparently. And I just turn around, and he's like two feet from me. Well, because you were grabbing the trash, I was going to take it out. I know, but I just screamed so loud, I feel. <laughs> Little... I worried, I feel like I worried our neighbors. Or maybe they don't give a shit. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, what are, do you have thoughts, uh, com- comparison thoughts? I feel like I already said them. They're, they're both fair. good. They're different flavors. They're different speeds. I definitely prefer the remake. I like them both, but for different reasons. That's, yeah, that's fair. Because I, I liked the whole psycho, the, uh, the doctor angle. Yeah. I thought that was nice that she had support and that she wasn't, being berated for things and she was treated unfairly at school yeah and and so we had kind of a a much more narrower focus on on one child rather than you know just the whole spattering poor what's the girl's name in the in in the remake the daughter yeah beth see i've asked that three times now and that's because i think she has a line she's yeah she's there is a cool thing they do in the remake that they did that they did not do in the original where it's another everybody's sitting down to dinner and oh, yeah. David has just this like 
wild just stare and is just kind of lost in thought. And Beth like touches his hand and is like, David, are you okay? And he looks up and he sees the family that he just murdered. Instead of the family he's with. Yeah. Yeah, Which was also apparently a girl and two boys. Yeah. So that's cool. I just like that because it's a nice showing that his mental capacities are not all there. Fair. I think it's a good remake. They left themselves open to do a sequel, but then they didn't. I don't think it did very well financially. I didn't pull up that information. Again, I don't know if I'm going to pull up budget information anymore because I don't really know how much it matters. Fair. And I don't know if any if anybody else besides me is really interested in it, honestly. I mean, maybe if maybe if just something like super tanks or does amazingly well. Yeah. Because, we I mean, it's like, okay, it had a $15 million budget, made $43 million. I mean, it's... I don't know if that includes marketing and the budget, so... Uh, I have no even idea. at least. Yeah. You know, something like that. I don't know. Anyway. So if you want to watch these and do your own comparisons, uh, The Stepfather, the original 1987 film, is on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. The remake, we ended up having to rent on Prime, but it was only like... Three, four dollars. Something like that. Or did I just buy it? I think it was like a dollar difference. I think you might have just bought it. I think I just bought it because the the price difference between renting it and buying it was not that much. Which happens occasionally with older horror films. It's like, well, you can rent it for four dollars or you can buy it for six. I'm like, I'm just going to buy it then. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case. (laughs) For the two dollar difference. Yeah, just give it to me. (sighs) So that was fun. Yeah. I have a final thought. What's your final thought? It's just... These movies with all this obsession over family, I I know it isn't something everyone wants, and and that's cool. But for those who are interested in that, and I promise you I'm not going to get into this whole Fast and the Furious family thing, y'all. But finding the ideal picture-perfect family by society's or anyone else's standard is not always in the cards. Often parents, other family members, others in your life may have an idea of what a family should be that might not match what you want and it may not end up being the thing that the thing you thought you wanted may not end up being the thing that you want if that makes any kind of sense yes family's not just blood relatives mm-hmm. uh, family can be a close friend a person who cared for you uh, either as an adult as a child what whatever yeah found families or communities who accept you for being the person you are you know that's all family yeah, it's not just, you know, who are you related to by blood or marriage. Right, and and look, life, as we all know, can be unpredictable. Sometimes what seems, what works at the moment in time can later become toxic or harmful or dangerous. Yeah. You know, it may have been perfect for a while, but then something changes. It Let could it, even just be you becoming more aware. Right. And realizing that the thing... That it's always been this way and you just didn't notice. Yeah. And letting go of things or toxic people in your life that tear you down can not only be a positive move for you, but could also break a destructive cycle. Sometimes people are just, you know, it's not that that person is bad. It's just the combination of one person and another makes it a toxic situation. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure some of you have seen friends where it's like they're both fine on their own, totally fine on their own. You put the two together and it's volatile as hell. Yeah. But ultimately finding the family or support network that works best for you, that's safe, that's respectful of each other, that's what I hope all of you out there can find. Yeah. You don't have to go chasing this 
stock photo image, you know, this Getty Images. A mom and dad and 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and, and a, dog. a dog and yeah, a house and a mortgage and like... I mean, that may be what you want, but just know that the expectations really should be what you want rather than what other people expect for you. Right. Or what's been forced on you. Yeah, I spent a, I spent a good number of years thinking that basically measuring where I was in life based on other people and even other people in my family, like mm-hmm. this is where I need to be by a certain point because this is where everybody else in my family was. Cause a lot of people in my family either get married young or they don't get married at all. Right. And so I had this build up in my head. Well, if I'm not married by the time I'm 25, I'm probably never getting married. And then I met you at 26. So there you go. Uh, but I had the I I had this preconception in my head of where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to want, and it was only when I found my person that I started to really think: Is this really what I want, or is it just what I think I'm supposed to want? Right. And that's something that I think that everybody needs to assess when it comes to what you want out of life. And you may need to decide, am I going to do what makes other people happy or am I going to do what makes me happy and risk upsetting some people? Now, that said, if what makes you happy is hurting other people, maybe don't do that. I mean, yeah, don't do that. But, but yeah. Again, do no harm, take no shit. But like, even when you hear things like, oh, we're staying together for the kids, is that healthy for the kids? Probably not. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's tearing... At least two adults down psychologically, it could be impacting their work. Yeah. It could be impacting their home life. Well, it's clearly impacting their home life. Yeah. Their social life. And Is I've, it worth torturing yourself for another 12 years? Yeah. 15 years? And, 30 and years? I've, and I've seen in recent years people realizing, you know, we're better as friends than we are as a couple and just splitting up and co-parenting or just splitting up and being friends. One of my aunts did that. Her, She and her first husband realized that they loved each other they still loved each other Mm -hmm. they had been through a lot in the first few years of their marriage and they still loved each other but as friends they didn't want to be married to each other anymore and so as far as i know they got a divorce they're still friends and now she's married to somebody else and has a beautiful daughter my cousin so you know i don't know i feel like just be reflective occasionally and if you need to take time and say is this really what i want or is this just what I think I want? And that can apply to multiple things. Oh, yeah. You know, whether so. you're looking at your job and saying, am I happy or am I doing this for a paycheck? And yeah. I mean, look, you know, work is work and money is money, but... We all need to earn a living, but we don't all need to kill ourselves earning a living. Right. Because then what? what's the point? Unless, right. Unless you're just saving up for that, that plot in, uh, you know, Woodlawn Cemetery. Right. Oh, uh, that got dark. Yeah. Uh, plot bit. for yourself. Wait, no, that got darker. Shit. Uh, no, help me out. I don't. I don't know. Uh, unicorns. You work to live. You don't live to work. Yeah. yeah. Don't put up with a toxic situation, regardless of where it is. If you need to get out of it, get out of it. Anyway, that's enough. Or find a job you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I mean, you still will, but like, you won't. It, you'll enjoy it more. Okay. Anyway, I think that's <laughs> enough. We're done. We're not being introspective. Introspective self-help. It's late, and we have shit to do tomorrow. Yeah. All right. So you can find us on our website, mm-hmm. h2horrorcast.com. 
There are links to our Facebook or Twitter. You can send us an email. There is also a link to our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We are patreon.com slash h2horrorcast. Uh, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month, which goes towards new equipment, helping pay for movie rentals that we had to rent stuff. Streaming services. Streaming services, things of that nature. If you are not able to support us financially, we totally understand. Yeah. There are, you know, content creators that we would love to support that we are not able to as of yet. So we got it. Instead, if you would please rate us and review us on Apple Podcast, if you listen to us there, or Spotify or Google, or just recommend us to a friend. Yeah, or just play it in front of people and be like, check this out. If Are you an Uber or a Lyft driver? Play us in the car. <laughs> I don't know how well that would go, but I did talk to to one of my Lyft drivers about, about the show, and he seemed interested, so. Oh, cool. Hooray. Anyway. Until next time, I'm Tia. And I'm still David. And stay spooky, friends. Music for this episode is Save Us Now by Shane Ivers. Our artwork is by Catherine Nixon. <laughs>